Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we are going to look at the readings for the third Sunday in Lent. And if you would like to hear the readings for the third Sunday in Lent, you can do so by listening to the readings podcast dropped before this one. So we're well into Lent. We've heard the call for repentance and it is intensified in this lesson, comes to us, uh, the gospel lesson, St. Luke chapter 13, 1 through 9. And we got uh, Jesus being approached by an interesting situation. And I, it's really neat. It's really nice because I think we do this by nature. We want everybody else, to, we want we want answers as to why things happen. Specifically, the theodicy question, and theodicy really is why do bad things happen? Why does God let bad things happen? And we're given a few examples in this. And I love the first one. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Yes, that's right. Pilate killed Galileans and then use their blood for his sacrifices to his false gods. And then the question continues. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So the question at hand, God must really not like these Galileans because he let Pilate sacrifice them and use their blood for his false worship. Jesus, what do you think about these people? So, Vicar, what do you think? Well, you, you have to have the dramatic pause in there. I think there's the dramatic pause <laughs> yeah. when Jesus asks the question, uh, because I think this is, I mean, this is the, the heart of the matter where I think a lot of people in attendance here, we don't know who was present, but I think a lot of people in attendance would probably be uh, thinking to themselves, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense that, you know, they're, they're uh, met with such an ending mm -hmm. because of some sin that, that has uh, taken place that they've, they've committed. Um, and this isn't a new thing. We also see elsewhere in Scripture where uh, even the disciples come up and ask Jesus, uh, you know, this man is blind. Right. Is he the sinner or was it her, his parents that, that were the terrible sinners that caused this blindness to come on to him? So this isn't really a new issue. It's something that people were wrestling with then and we still wrestle with now. Uh, but of course, Jesus says no. Okay, so he's breaking down uh, any false perceptions that might be where we have this one-to-one -one correlation between bad sin must be met with uh, gruesome punishment yeah. by God. He, he's knocking down any notion of that. Well, and I appreciate this because he, he says, uh, like you said, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, mm -hmm. you will likely, likewise perish. And I, I really appreciate this because he's not threatening them if you do not change your ways, you too will be sacrificed and used for uh, false worship. But you too will perish. He really, um, 
it really, <laughs> I don't want to say he doesn't answer the question, but he shifts the focus of yeah. the whole conversation off of uh, the group that he first mentions, uh, the, these who have been put to death by Pilate, and puts the focus squarely on the people that Jesus is talking to in the moment. Uh, go ahead. Well, and that's what I really appreciate, because too often it's really easy to read the gospel lesson, and see it as a historic recording or an event. Oh, those people. That happened. You really and immediately can put yourself in this. Who hasn't had suffering or seen suffering? And then ask the question, why God? Why did this happen? Why did this child get cancer? Why did this happen? So, you know, so on and so forth. It is really easy to empathize with this question. And then it's also hard to deal with the no, I tell you, but unless you repent. And again, you're to hear this. I'm to repent. Okay, so if I repent, and I, I love I love if then. If I do this, then this will happen. So if I repent, I won't perish. <laughs> I won't have this situation. And I, I think that kind of hangs out there too. And I think um, a related question is, what did I do to deserve this? Yeah. Uh, because he's he's setting up kind of this false uh, situation where if someone did something to deserve death uh, in a whatever manner. Horrific. Yeah. And so uh, he kind of takes that uh, with the, without really mentioning it. That's kind of looming in the background. And he kind of says, well, it's not about that. Uh, and he brings it to the present situation and calls people to repentance. And it's it's almost a kind of a mind your own beeswax, uh, focus on your repentance um, and kind of shift away from, well, what did other people do wrong? Mm -hmm. What did they not do? Just worry about your own repentance. <laughs> well, and I think there's a lot to that because, again, we quickly want to, not only do we not, or not only do we like to hear bad news, especially at somebody else's expense. But we also like to know why. And I think there's a couple of things behind that. First of all, I want to know why bad things are happening to these people so I can make sure those bad things don't happen to me because those people deserved it. I don't. But just in case, I want to make sure that I don't follow them. And I really do appreciate how Jesus really flat out says, you're in the same situation. Here's your chance to change. Here's your chance to repent. Here's your chance to hear the true warning that I bring to you. And that's hard to hear because, again, look how quickly. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners because they suffered this way? And I like what you said. Yes. If that happened, they must have done something really bad to make God mad at them. No. Have you done something that bad? You know, now you you're starting to think, what what have I done? Is God mad at me? I've had this, you know, and we start trying to put weight on certain sins or less weight on other sins. But Jesus levels it straight. Your sins are all bad. Repent, and I love that. And again, uh, and I like how you said it. He really doesn't address the situation at hand. And he actually makes it really big and really small all at the same time. The bigness of damnation and forgiveness and salvation, but then for you. And, and again, I like that aspect, for you, because we get to see ourselves in this. And it continues. Um, this is verse 4 of, of the text. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Solomon fell and killed them. 
do you think that they were worse offenders than all the other people who lived in Jerusalem? And that's a great sarcastic statement. You have the whole city of Jerusalem, close to a million people, and these 18 people, they must have been really bad for this tower to fall only on them. I like the odds of them all being in one place yeah. at the same time. That's pretty all good. The, all these bad people, they just, you know. But, I mean, it really brings up the point again, and obviously Jesus knows what he's doing with this yeah. line of questioning here. But, um, I mean, even the, the modern-day examples where we can think of people who um, are experiencing suffering, mm-hmm. maybe death, but more likely suffering through a diagnosis or what have you, uh, and the question kind of lingers there, well, what did they do wrong? Yeah. Uh, you know, why 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 are they uh, receiving this suffering? And um, and obviously, he gives the same answer here, uh, and kind of kind of flips the script here, and just points it to uses it as an opportunity to to point people to repentance. Well, yeah, you repent, you, and I really like this because again. We always want to shift the blame. We always want to move it to somebody else. We actually don't want to deal with our own sin. But Jesus confronts it up front. No, I tell you. And dear listener, you should hear you. This isn't a an ambiguous you of the New Testament uh, first century. This is what our Lord continues to tell us. And it's humbling and it's good because at the end of the day, this is the true offer of grace. You have this chance to repent. You have this chance for life. You have this chance for forgiveness. I have come to deliver it to you. And I like what you you started off with the the first situation with the, the sacrifice and blood mingling. Mind your own business. Look at what you're doing. Are you right with God? Have you had and see what is there for you if you continue this way? Or do you need to do what you need to do? Repent. And again, it's kind of nice because that shift that Jesus does is really about you and his work for you. And uh, with that, you kind of you used the language earlier, maybe I used it too, of, of kind of leveling the playing field yeah. here on, on the, the matter of sin uh, and sinfulness. Um, and what I think is really going on here is Jesus is reminding everyone, those present at the time and mm-hmm. us still today, that we're all sinners. Um, we've all been born into sin. We've all committed sin. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from that sin. So the only option left then is to repent. So it's really getting to uh, the heart of uh, humanity. Um, Through one man, all fell. (laughs) All men have died uh, because of Adam. We've all fallen into sin. Um, But we know that through all men, uh, we've also been given life. So a little preview of the gospel there. But that kind of closes out uh, the first half of the reading here because it's it's really a call to all people because, hey, you better know your place. Right. We're all in this together. We're all sinners, unfortunately, uh, and we need some kind of solution here that's not going to be found within ourselves. Well, let me ask you this. So our Lord has put this work before us. You, you are to repent. What is it to repent? What What do I need to do to repent? What do I need to do to fulfill what Jesus is telling me? Well, I think um, it's just like uh, we have with little kids. Mm-hmm. When little kids do something wrong and mom or dad goes, say you're sorry. And then yeah. the little kid goes, I'm sorry. Say you're sorry. 
okay, I'm sorry. And then the other kid goes, it's okay. And then they move on. That's repentance, right? Absolutely. They're laid out, just say the right words. Not quite. Um, but that is kind of an illustration for us because uh, even when we come to worship, um, you know, I love the one, I, I think it's maybe DS3. I, I'm sincerely, I sincerely oh, yeah, repent of my sins. And uh, one of the professors at the seminary that I had, he's like, I've never been sincere about anything <laughs> in my life. Um, but it brings this idea of it, it's more than just words. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an action that comes with it. Uh, obviously, we usually think of repentance as ret- uh, uh, turning from sin and, and going toward God. Obviously, we kicked off Lent with our Ash Wednesday text uh, from Joel, return to the Lord your God. But that indicates that there's a change taking place. You are actually uh, moving from sin to something else. Uh, And without that actual turn, you know, repentance can just kind of linger there as some empty words. And so we need to be careful that, that our words are being backed up with actions. And that's what leads us right into the second half of this text, um, which fits very nicely. Well, exactly. And I really appreciate what you said, because even my sarcastic statement, yeah, we just say the right words. (laughs) Um, No, it's not, I repent. My bad. Jesus loves me. It's a full changing. And Jesus tells us a parable to help us understand this in in a big, better and bigger way. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he said to him, Sir, let me let it alone this year until I dig around it and put on manure. Then it should bear fruit next year. Well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. That answers all the questions, makes it clear. I understand everything that Jesus is saying. We can move on and he can come, right? Well, seeing as how we don't actually know what happens to this tree in the yes, parable, we, yeah. we're left uh, well, hanging a little that, bit there. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what's really neat about this parable, again, we have, you got the tree not doing anything. It's just using up the ground. It's using up space. Well, I'll add this. It's not doing what it's supposed to. It's not doing, yeah. What By nature, a fruit tree produces fruit. It's a stick in the ground. Um, so what does that mean? And I love what the the owner says. Cut it down. I'm done. We'll make space for it. The vine dresser. I'm going to take care of it for one year. I'm going to water it. I'm going to put manure on it. I'll take care of it. What I find really interesting about this, all the joking around about repentance, just saying the right thing, just doing the right stuff, um, that's not what is happening here. You have this tree that's supposed to be producing fruit. And now you have the vine dresser, Christ, laying out all this gift, putting stuff on it so that it may bear fruit. And listen to this, verse 9. Then if it should bear fruit next year, it is not a promise. That gets really scary really quick. 
because this is what we have in the gifts of the divine service. We have all these gifts of baptism, uh, holy absolution, the Lord's Supper, the preaching, word and sacrament. We have all the gifts of God's actions upon us, being given to us. What do we do with it? Is it received? Is it utilized? Does it come into us and then we produce the good fruit? Or do we remain dead in our trespasses? I think this is really interesting. And it's also hard because I don't want to get into a decision theology uh, situation. Does the tree accept the water, the manure, the, the care, and so on and so forth? Or does it actively say, nope, I'm good being an unproducing fruit tree, and which would mean that it's not really yeah, a fruit tree. Yeah, I was going to say, with that implied in all that, there's still the expectation that the fig tree is supposed to do what a fig tree is supposed to do and produce figs. Yeah. Um, so with that, you know, when we come to worship, uh, when we come and receive the gifts of God, uh, that's supposed to do something to us, uh, and we're supposed to we're supposed to um, live in the gifts that God gives, which then produce fruit. Uh, and in this case, if we're specifically looking at repentance, the fruit of repentance, which would be turning away from one's sin and turning to God receiving his gifts. Um, it's interesting, you know, if you, if you just hang out in that sin and you don't change anything, then you're really cheapening uh, the, the, the gift, the grace that is offered. Uh, oh, yeah. And you're saying, well, that sounds good, but I'm going to keep doing my thing. Um, and then you're kind of living in Romans 6. Should we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. Uh, we actually turn from that sin, uh, and with the the help of the Holy Spirit, we we turn from that and bear fruits of repentance. See, I, I would uh, absolutely agree. But then also on top of that, I, I like this whole idea that this fruit tree is not doing what the fruit tree is supposed to be doing. So what is it? Can we say it's still a fruit tree, or is it a stick in the ground? What are you? in your unrepentant sin. And we can say we're, we're dead in our trespasses, we're, you know, so on and so forth. And I, I really like the idea that in the gifts of God, and you, you said this very well, we, we get to live in this. This gets to build us up. But it, it's the restoration. This is the, the, the building up the fullness, and it is all of what God gives and delivers. And we have, and before we pushed record, you said this, and I even wrote it down. Oh, uh, it must be good. Yeah. Uh, God gives us another chance. And I, I thought this really interesting because, again, we can go one of two ways with this. God has provided you opportunity. Did you take it? Mm -hmm. And so now, at the end of the day, who did the work? Is it me accepting these gifts? Or is it God's gifts working in me, on me, through you know, however? And I love this because immediately, look what I did. Mm -hmm. God, you laid all this stuff out, but look at that fruit that I produced. Isn't that great? And we really need to realize that this is not who and what I am. This is who and what I am in him. And your statements about repenting, and turning. I turn away from what I am by my nature. Mm 
my sinful nature, my death, and I turn to his life and his nature. This is baptism. This is forgiveness. But it's that continual repentance. And this is hard for us because, you know, how quickly we look at baptism. I was baptized. Mm. Like a one and done, it happened and everything's fine. Instead of I am baptized, a present reality, a present state. And this work that our Lord is doing, uh, digging around it, putting on manure, it is that continual chance. And I really, as you went further, and I didn't write this part down because it was it was just okay. No, <laughs> I really liked what, what you said, um, that we actually have this urgency. We need to take this chance that's offered to us. It's this chance to repent, but never in a works righteous. God, I said the right stuff. I went to church at the right time. I did, you know. But the whole idea, what about tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What about the next chance? And I think that really comes out in verses one through five. I mean, six through 13, uh, or I'm sorry, six through nine are great because we see the fig tree. It gets gets one more opportunity. It gets another year. Uh, But in verses one through five, I mean, uh, those who were, were put to death, I mean... You know, you have to imagine they wake up. They don't think that's going to be their last right. last day here on earth, uh, and yet it was. Mm-hmm. And so there is that urgency, um, that call to repentance that isn't something off in the distance, but it's something that it needs to be done right here and now um, because uh, you never know. Right, and there's a lot to that. And with that, we should never live in fear because if we're living out our faith— which would be a life of repentance, which would be living out in the trust of the gospel and God's gifts. We don't have to worry about this fear. Now, does this mean that we're not sinners? Does this mean we don't struggle? No. Our faith is always challenged. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, who have we put our faith in? Who is our trust in? The one who has already saved, rescued, rescues, and keeps us through these things. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment? to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.